0: J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You've heard the headlines. A couple paid off $125,000 in one year and now they're traveling the world. She paid off $75,000 in student loans in just two years and now is retired, enjoying life in an RV. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money and today's episode is an entire Ask Shauna: What are the downsides to extreme personal finance? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. This is one of my very, very favorite subjects to talk about. I often get very, very heated when I'm talking about the extreme downsides of personal finance because. I feel like there are so many headlines. I teased a few of them in the opening, but, you know, a couple paid off $125,000 in a year and now they're traveling the world. That's a lot of debt to pay off for anyone. I mean, it it seems almost imaginable for a lot of us. You know, she paid off $75,000 in student loans in just two years and now is retired and enjoying life in an RV, Well, that may be great for her and maybe there were lots of reasons that she paid off $75,000 in student loans, but again, that's a lot of money for most people to have in excess to be able to pay off that kind of debt in a short period of time. This this next one was one of my favorites. I hope you enjoy this one too. He ate nothing but beans, sold his platelets, and couch surfed to be debt-free and save $100,000 in a year. I just love that because... I mean, you have to click, right? It's it's not like you can avoid clicking on that. Like it's crazy, but you know, you, you sort of want to figure out, okay, what did this guy do? But let's be real. I mean, there are downsides to extreme personal finance, no matter how good it sounds. And what I love about this question from Tabitha and Robert is they're really confused and you may be able to relate to that. There are so many blogs, so much content out there when it comes to personal finance, and a lot of it is good. Most of it is good. Most of it is, is teaching you something, but a lot of it I, I fear is leading us in this movement that is creating a community of people that are panic-stricken because they have debt, or because they have different goals or because their life looks different or because they're not retiring by 30 or 40 or whatever that magic number may be. And I think when it comes to personal finance, it's already such a scary topic. It's already such a loaded topic for so many of us. And the idea of what is success, what is success for me in my finances? What is success for you in your finances? And I, I don't think we talk a- enough about, because it's, let's face it, It's not. it's not as catchy. There aren't these great headlines that say, okay, the secret to personal finance is that it's really one size fits all. That's not going to prompt a lot of people to click on that particular article, but that really is the truth. And I feel like I can't say it enough because I know you may be listening to this podcast episode and you may have read some of these, these clickbait essentially titles and felt some sort of discomfort within yourself, comparing yourself to that person that maybe you're not successful. Maybe your vision for your life isn't, The ideal. And I kind of want to let you off the hook and let you know that that's not true. And I'm hoping we can have this discussion uh, about extreme personal finance. And I'm hoping you you could find some balance in there for yourself. I was recently quoted in a US News and World Report article talking specifically about the downsides to extreme personal finance. I'm going to link that article in the show notes. Some of my other fellow like-minded CFPs were quoted in there as well. And they had some really good points, and I, I feel like reading that article might help you balance out some of these crazy titles that are that are making us click. I mean, I click too because some of them are just so outrageous. But you know, the idea of extreme personal finance—it's not a new idea, but it's really, I think, been on a rise in the last few years, especially with the explosion of, of blogs and alternative mediums for finding news, if you will, quote unquote, and for teaching personal finance. But I feel there's this pressure to some extent to be 100% debt free. And I think that's really teaching the wrong message about personal finance. And it's teaching us that, at least in my opinion, that you have to look like that person who paid off all their debt, who is living in an RV or a tiny house or whatever that particular article might allude to or you're not successful or you haven't achieved anything in life and I'm just calling BS on that. I mean I, I just I don't I just don't feel like it's realistic to put that message out but maybe we can read these articles with you know, through our own lens and look at them a little bit differently. My friend Doug, who was also in the article and has been a guest on this podcast many times, calls it clickbait. And that's really what it is. It's these sensational headlines that get you to click and leave you feeling completely worthless after you read them. And it's not realistic for 99% of us, nor should it be your goal. And This may be a controversial thing to say, but, you know, popular personal finance expert Dave Ramsey, he totally touts debt-free as the mountaintop, if you will, of success. But is that a marketing angle or is that realistic? Does that make sense for you or does that not? I think that, um, again, it's creating a culture of people that feel compelled to stop their life, to stop... There are goals to stop achieving things because it may require that you take on debt. And then if you have debt, kind of the flip side of the coin there is that you feel this pressure to pay this all off in some super rapid form. I I know with student loan debt, it's no joke. It's it's a lot of debt for a lot of people. You may be be sitting in the situation where you're staring down a lot of student loan debt. And it's fearful for you and it doesn't make sense and you don't know how to pay it all off and it's it's stopping you from, from even thinking or dreaming that you could have other financial goals in your life like buying a house or buying a new car or heck, retiring. I mean, that feels so far off, I think, for a lot of people. So let's just talk about debt for a second. Debt has become quote-unquote cheap in the last few years relative to stock market gains. Now, that doesn't really mean much, but I feel like a lot of people are in this rat race to pay off what experts might consider to be cheap debt. And this is really, again, a filter for you because it's all relative. It's relative to how you feel about debt. It's relative to how you feel about leveraging money all of those different things are relative to your own life but let's just talk for a minute about debt right so the average mortgage mortgage interest rate right now according to bank rate the average 30 year fixed rate is 4.71% now it has been lower in the last few years certainly the fed has been raising the interest rates and that has also raised the mortgage interest rate but 4.71% is still a really low interest rate when it comes to buying a home. In case you didn't know, in 1981, that may be before you were born, the average annual interest rate for a home loan was 16.63%. We were kind of in a, a bad, bad shape uh, in terms of inflation and interest rates during that time period in the 80s. That is not considered cheap debt. That is considered very, very expensive debt. And a lot of people who purchased homes during the early 80s really felt the pinch. Not only could they not buy as expensive a home, potentially, but they were paying a lot of money for that particular home. Now, of course, interest rates did not stay up in the 16%, but they stayed in the double-digit range for quite a while. It really was after the 2008-2009 recession that we went through, where the interest rates were dropped down to to nearly zero, and the cost of borrowing money became so cheap. And even though the interest rates that you might be earning in high-yield savings or CDs or other savings vehicles is still low, you're still not earning anything competitive, the flip side of that is the the cheap debt, if you will, if you have to buy a house or you have to buy a car or or, or something like that. The average car loan interest rate when I checked on bank rate for a new car for a 60-month loan was 4.60%. That's still relatively cheap debt. Now, you might be listening and you might have bought a car in the last couple of years and you might have I've gotten a much lower interest rate, but still in in comparison to historical interest rates, this is relatively cheap debt. So what in the world am I trying to say here? All I'm trying to say is thinking about debt through maybe a little different lens than the pressure of all of these extreme personal finance headlines, that is shouting from the rooftops that all of debt is a bad thing and that if you have debt, somehow you are not successful or you are not a good person, I feel is such a wrong message to put out there. Have you heard people talking about Bitcoin and blockchain, but you have no idea what it is and how it works? Well, I want to give a shout out to our new podcast sponsor, the Decrypting Crypto Podcast, and it is exactly for you. And trust me, you're so not alone in this. This podcast is bias-free and it's focused purely on just helping you understand the basics of cryptocurrency. Plus, it also introduces you to some of the most interesting projects in this space. I feel anytime there's a surge towards a new investment opportunity and lots of buzz around it like there is with cryptocurrency, I'm a big fan of just educating yourself. The good, the not so good, all the in-between. And that's why i become a fan of the Decrypting Crypto podcast. It's what you need to know without all the fluff. Hosts Austin and Matthew, they take you on this journey of discovering what this new technology is all about, how it's poised to change the world, and I think they do it in a really fun and approachable way that anybody can relate to. Search for the Decrypting Crypto podcast in your favorite podcasting app to start listening today. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. a million bucks wearing this cozy workout-friendly outfit, I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup. Or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to Notion.com slash ETM. That's all lowercase letters. Notion.com slash ETM and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show. Notion.com slash ETM. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams. I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earning, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See Earning.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's monarchmone dot slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. So we ran down the average interest rate for a mortgage and the interest rate for a car loan. Now let's compare that against the 2017 stock market gains. The Dow was actually up according to CNN Money. Now, that is kind of a historical up year. We've seen some interesting things happen as we've entered in 2018. So, we're probably not going to see another 25% up market year. So, I'm not saying put your money only in the stock market and all of that, and everything's going to be perfect. I believe still savings is one of the most critical foundational elements to building your wealth. And, you know, that does go hand in hand with having debt. All I'm saying is this. I want you to figure out what you want your life to look like. What is your definition of financial success? How much is enough for you? And maybe then when you read these crazy, sensational articles, as we all do, because I'm just as susceptible to them as you are, but we can see it differently. We can look at it from a different viewpoint. Also figuring out what debt makes sense for you. What debt pushes you forward? What debt holds you back? How do you feel about debt? A lot of people have come up in the Dave Ramsey era, a lot of people have come up in this extreme personal finance blogger sphere that we're in now where we look at debt in this negative way. And debt is not great. I'm not going to sit here and and lie to you. Credit card debt is debilitating. Credit card debt will take you down if you will. It can shackle you. It can make you feel It can make you feel like you are never going to get out of debt. And I know this because personally, I have been there. I have experienced that. After my divorce, I was in a fair amount of credit card debt. And I thought, my God, how am I going to get rid of this? Even being a financial expert, I still struggled with those emotional feelings around debt And you read articles, you listen to personal finance experts, and the first thing they're going to tell you is debt is not necessarily good. But what they're also going to tell you is that some debt may actually be beneficial to you. Some debt may actually push you forward. And I know that's controversial, but that is just the honest truth. And we live in a society... In a country, in particular, that tells us to always strive for more. And as a competitive person, I can totally fall prey to that. But I don't want to work 24-7. I used to. I used to do that a lot. I used to work seven days a week. I was doing something every single day. And honestly, it didn't get me very far. I was totally stressed out. I wasn't connected to my friends. I didn't feel inspired. Anytime a new project or a new assignment or something I had to write came up, I felt it was like doom and gloom for me. And that may seem horrible to say that, but I just, I didn't feel inspired by anything. I didn't feel like I had this balance in my life. I felt like I was trying to compete against all the other experts out there. I was trying to be what they were. I was trying to do what what they were doing. And I thought that was what you were supposed to do. And then I found out that, that's not what you're supposed to do. It's one of the reasons that led me to start this podcast. This is a platform that I love. I love speaking to you. I love helping to educate you. I love bringing new topics and new ideas to you. So I had to figure out what worked for me, what I wanted my life to look like, what I wanted my bank account to look like. And so That's my story and yours is most certainly completely different. However, my point really is that extreme personal finance, it takes you away from the vision and the goal for your life and it puts you in this comparison mode where you can't succeed. You can't succeed. You're measuring yourself against people who may have totally different set of circumstances than you have. Maybe they inherited money. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they were saving for their entire life and now they can retire early. Maybe they're retiring from their job, their corporate job, but they're going to start some other career. So they're not in essence retiring, if you will. I mean, there are so many different scenarios. Somebody could have bought real estate in their early 20s and went through the real estate boom and sold their property had a huge gain, and it gave them lots of options in life. My point is that we just, we don't often know the backstory to people. And it's the backstory where you're going to find the details. And the details are going to help explain the sensational headline details, if you will, of the extreme personal finance story. So I want to tell you two stories opposite of one another, but both true and from listeners of this podcast. So the first story is from a couple who's been listening to this podcast for a couple of years. And his goal was to pay off the mortgage and car payment completely by 35. They're in their mid to late 20s. But that was his goal. And he was so laser focused on it that he convinced his wife, that they were going to need to put any extra money, in fact, they were gonna make triple payments to get all of this paid off, he felt like after reading a lot of these articles, after listening to a lot of personal finance experts on the radio, et cetera, that they had to be completely debt-free before they could achieve any other financial goals. They went on no vacations, they didn't buy gifts for birthdays or holidays or anything like that. And they were so laser focused that it started to create a divide in the marriage. And about a year in of doing this radical debt payoff, the wife came to him and said, I'm not happy in this marriage. All you think about is paying off the debt to a point where we can't even enjoy life. We can't even go out and have fun. We can't go to dinner. You know, we're not spending time with our friends and family, we're just not engaged. We're so focused on this. And she said, this is tearing us apart. And I don't really know what to do in this situation. They had only been married a few years and they had never really talked a lot about their their money viewpoints before they got married. They certainly didn't talk about debt. They both came into the marriage with a significant amount of debt, but they didn't have a lot of conversations about that. So they ended up going to therapy They were going to therapy once a week to try and figure out how they can get on the same money page. And what came out in the therapy sessions was this extreme guilty feeling that he had about debt. He had heard from his parents that debt was bad. He had heard from his friends that debt was bad. He had heard from his church that debt was bad. And he just felt this shame around it debt and he didn't know what to do he didn't know how to deal with that except have this complete laser focus on paying off the debt and in fact he didn't even really talk about it with his wife he just kind of came one day and said here's what we're doing we're giving up everything we're not gonna go on vacation we're gonna just be so focused on paying off this debt that she didn't even really have a choice in this She didn't have that deep feeling that he had about debt. And so, like I said, there was just this big divide. And they went to therapy for about six months and they were able to really come to an understanding about debt and come to a place of balance where they both had to give and take. And they came up with a list of different things they could do once they hit different thresholds of paying off the debt. So they weren't paying off triple amount of debt. They lowered that down. They were just paying above the minimums, but in a, you know, realistic payoff schedule, they came up with a payoff strategy. They just got a little smarter about how they were paying off the debt, and it allowed them to have some freedom. They started to have some dinners out, they started to buy each other birthday gifts. Last year, they went on their first vacation that they've been on since their honeymoon. And they wrote in to tell me the story because they wanted to share that They both had such different opinions when it came to debt and because he was so extreme in his viewpoint about debt that it really caused ripple effects in their marriage but now they're in a much healthier place and they're having these open, honest discussions about debt and they didn't want to share their names so I'm just sharing the story with you without their names but you might be able to relate to that story. Maybe there's a part of that story that sparks something in you So I want to tell you another story. This is from another podcast listener, and it's a little bit opposite of of that story. It's a little bit lighter. Uh, They actually had owned a house in Florida. They had sold the house, and they had moved from Florida, and they had bought a new house. They were able to buy a bigger house. They were able to um, have more land. They just were living the high life, if you will. Things were good. But he wanted to go back to school, and so he went back to school, and they took on more student loans. They had two kids, and they were in their early 30s, and they were, you know, feeling this pressure again about debt. Not really sure what to do, but they were in a a different situation. They were having discussions about this all the time. They were trying to figure out how to have this balance in their relationship around debt. But they finally decided, you know what, this is silly, we want to pay off the debt, but we want to do it in a smart way. We don't want to kill ourselves by living in this big house. They Again, they had acreage. They had animals. You know, all of that uh, stuff was really important to them. Obviously, it's cool when you have kids to have space for them to play. And I mean, what kid doesn't love having a horse and a pig and some chickens? Uh, you know, all of that sounds like so much fun when you're when you're a little kid. And you don't have to actually pay the bills. So they ended up putting their house up for sale. They sold it for a significant profit to their surprise, and they moved into a much, much smaller house. But they were able to pay off the debt, put some money down for the doubt payment, and have just a small amount left for their savings. And they said that by doing this, they felt like they were in better control of their finances, that they didn't fall prey to these extreme views on debt, but they were able to position themselves. In a better place. So they felt like, okay, their future going forward is not going to be all about debt. They know they need to make some changes so that they don't go back into debt. But they feel like they made a smart decision as a couple, they've been listening to the podcast for about a year and a half, and it helped them have these discussions around debt and feel like they had some sort of balance. So those are two different stories, two different actual listeners to this podcast. But hopefully one of those stories or a detail in those stories resonated with you about the extreme side of personal finance. There's a quote in the article that I I mentioned, the US News and World Report. And it said, for example, if you're throwing every spare dollar towards your student loan debt, You might not be fully funding your emergency savings account, and that could be problematic if an unexpected medical bill or job loss requires you to have some sort of liquidity, aka cash. Perhaps you might have scored a better return investing that money in a retirement account while repaying your student debt on an income-driven repayment plan. But the moral of this podcast episode and the discussion I'm trying to have with you is just... Look for a balance in your debt, in your savings, in your goals. It's all about balance. That is what I've learned. Personally, that's what I've learned with working with people for 12 years is the balance is what makes it work. If credit card debt is an issue, work on the relationship to that credit card debt first before you get in the panic-stricken mindset of we have to eradicate The credit card debt before we can do anything else. Otherwise, you're going to pay off the debt and that's going to be such an amazing goal, but then you're going to find yourself back in debt. And so the mindset of all of this is really important. The mindset when you're reading the extreme personal finance articles is what's critical. You know, there are valuable lessons, really valuable lessons to be learned from extreme personal finance, but filter it, please filter it through your own vision for your life. Take what works Throw out what doesn't. And at the end of the day, figure out what is enough for you. What do you want your life to look like? Do you even want to be retired at 40? I mean, for a lot of us, that just isn't even a fun goal. For me, it's it's not a fun goal because I'm so motivated and passionate by so many things. If if your job is the issue, if you're not happy in your job, find a new job because I guarantee you, you have so many talents so many skills that could be utilized in a different way. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it's made you think a little bit about those extreme personal finance headlines that suck us all in. As always, you can follow me at Shauna Game on Twitter and Instagram. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, help us spread the word of the Millennial Money Podcast so we can continue to grow.